Hello, the internet, and welcome to season 203, episode 2 of yeah! a production of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Tuesday, September 21st, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Look at my thighs. I'm Jack O.B. It's Jack and Miles on TDZ. I bring you coal gas. I bring you trends. <laughs> it's every day the show never ends. Wow. That is courtesy of the girl with the kaiju tattoo. And I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. Hang around, talking by myself, and I've had too much cold brew, and I was reading about horse pace, and there he was. Eyes glued to his switch, yeah, there he was. <laughs> In the Zoom room on my screen, I smell dew and cold gas. Yeah. Who's that lounging in that chair? Woo. Who's that flashing blinding thighs in my direction? Surely wow. it must be Jack OB. Okay. Shout out to Gingerfish on the Beauty. Discord. Newcomer to the Discord, and you just dunking on us with that Marcy Playground Windmill. AKA. Thank you. Windmill 360. Vince Carter's first dunk of the dunk contest. What that's, was that's uh, your what that AK was. to the tune of? I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a cult of personality. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you got yeah. the the was playing in my head, but it wasn't playing in anyone else's head. So maybe we'll cut that one down. No, never, never, never. Uh, well, we are thrilled to be joined by the correspondent and host of Vice News Reports. Uh, before that, they hosted Box's technology podcast, Reset. And they were the first climate change correspondent in American Nightly News on the Emmy Award winning Vice News Tonight. They were awarded the 2019 Science and Society Journalism Award for a story they wrote about a predominantly black community living in a poor rural region of Alabama where failing septic tanks and pools of raw sewage had increased the risk of hookworm and other infectious diseases. All of that to say uh, they are a first-rate guest on a second-rate podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, please welcome the talented, the esteemed, the brilliant Ariel Doomros! Thank you so much for having me, guys. Really love that rendition of Sex and Candy. So no, good. Wasn't it good? You know, so good. Like actually so enjoyable. Thank you. There's just there's just something about that song I've uh, I've always felt connected to. I don't know. Mm, I, yeah. I, I feel like at a certain point it was playing on a loop at the mall I used to go to as a kid. Like just oh, yeah. all the time. Oh, yeah. Um, it was so. also on the soundtrack for Cruel Intentions. Yeah. I <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a very Classic. important movie in my yeah. teenage years. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> when I picture Cruel Intentions, I can only picture the Scary Movie Kiss ver like version of that. Is that what it was? A Scary Movie that did the kiss with the like long saliva oh, thing? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. coming yeah, out of yeah, it? with the saliva. Yeah. Yeah, oh. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and you're like, that's all I've seen since then. <laughs> <laughs> and had you brought up any other movie, I still would have brought that scene up. <laughs> of course you, know, you would when have. When I think of that movie. Uh... <laughs> when I think of Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, I can't help but think of that kiss in scary movies. <laughs> Oh, God. I really hope I'm right about the Sex and Candy being in the Cruel Intentions soundtrack. Because if I'm not. This we went definitely went on a tangent. You know what? It, if you're not, they failed because it would have been perfect for that soundtrack, even if it wasn't on it. Exactly. Let me just look sure. and just confirming it is not on there. Well, are you boom. serious? <laughs> you failed. Oh, shit. Coming up from behind is a Marcy Coming playground up from song behind. on that one. Yes, yeah. that's that's the one. All right, the okay. One. At least the band actually made a song for yeah. And intentions. honestly, for that's you to even know me, right? multiple Mar Mar Marcy playground <laughs> songs, I think is a feat in and of itself. So that deserves up, plaudits. Come coming up, come coming up, coming up from behind. It's a oh. very good song. It's got a really good bass line. Yeah, Solid. exactly. Yeah. 
And so, I got to say, people don't know this on that are listening to the podcast, but you are on some new fangled iPad. And when you were just doing your little moves, it was giving a little <laughs> bit of camera motion. So yeah. you, you really brought a vibe to the Zoom call. So I really appreciate that. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> it's, it's a very cool program that I'm immediately going to go out and get because it just adds gravitas to everything you do. You were struggling with uh, technology before we started recording, and it like did this slow push on your face that just <laughs> made it made it. Be, I don't know. It was very cool. Well, I just <laughs> looked perplexed trying to join it, the audio on this call. Yeah, yeah. or like you were super deep in thought and mm. contemplating the world's problems. Respect. Always. Um, how has your pandemic been? I I can't remember huh. when it was that we last talked. Yeah, last but. time we talked, I think it was still the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, how's, yeah how's your recent pandemic been? It's been okay, you know. I I know I finally got to go back to Canada, where I'm from, where I grew up. Yeah, uh, hey. to see my family, and that was a big deal because that hadn't happened in two years. Oh, uh, nice. So you know, it's <laughs> um, you know, we're hanging in there. Yeah, nice. And you're in New York, right? When you're in the states, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm cool. in Brooklyn right now. Yeah. How did you and uh, like I ask every guest who was over there how how did you fare during the uh, the inclement weather a few weeks ago? Oh, we were fortunate. Our backyard, because we, we have a yard, kind of flooded a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and for a while there I was like, oh, there's a lake in the backyard, but it <laughs> it didn't actually enter the apartment, so we were good. Oh, okay. Really, cool. really fortunate. A lot of our friends in the same neighborhood were not as fortunate. Yeah. 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 And uh, I'm I'm always curious because like I have like half of my family lives in Japan and I haven't been able to see them since the pandemic mm-hmm. either. What was it like to go home for oh, yeah. after all that time? Was it just like, was it everything you thought it would be? Was it less? Was it huh. more? Was it surreal? That's a good question. I, you know, what was strange is that like, because I hadn't seen my parents in two years, I had a little bit of, a, I mean, we do zoom calls, but like, it's not like phone cameras yeah. are super detailed. And so I had a little bit of a fear that I was like, Oh, are they going to look like, two years older like that kind of for whatever reason like it kind of freaked me out that I would feel like so much time had passed that I could actually notice a difference Mm -hmm. fortunately for them they still look great so (laughs) I didn't actually I didn't feel that and that that so you were able to embrace them in your heart because they still looked good so you were like, all right. Yes, 100%. Yeah. It was just because they still look, you know, fairly <laughs> yeah. young, right? They're still yeah. bringing it. Okay. You deserve yeah, my love. So I still love them. Right. Great lesson. But it was weird. It was weird because my experience of the pandemic in New York City was so different from theirs in Montreal. Mm. You know, like, my sister to this day still doesn't actually know somebody personally that she's, like, close to who's had COVID. Wow. And wow. Right, exactly. And so like when you're talking about like what the pandemic has been like, whereas they and and also on top of that, they have had a bunch of curfews. They had curfews that lasted a really long time. And so it's like this comparing notes situation where like Mm. we all experience traumatic things, but very, very differently. Mm -hmm. You know, my my trauma was like life and death trauma. And my sister's trauma was like being at home all the time, feeling super confined. Right. And it, it, more so than in than in Brooklyn. And so it's just like it's just that that's weird. The, that feeling of like, I think before I went, I felt like, oh, we're all in this together. Mm-hmm. And then I went and I was like, no, every country <laughs> had a different pandemic. Right. <laughs> right, right. And <laughs> and I, we're not it's not this big universal global shared experience the way that I thought it was initially. Right. 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 Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, so we're going to get to know you a little bit better. In a moment, first, just a few of the things we're talking about. We're talking about the humanitarian crisis at the border uh, in uh, Del Rio, Texas, and just generally the inhumane border policies of all uh, administrations and ones that are especially poorly you know, suited to our increasingly hot, changed climate. We will talk about Mike Pence, apparently he thinks he can lead the GOP. And um, I'm here. I want to see it. Yeah. I'm like, I believe in you. Get out there. Do your thing. Your base didn't want to like lynch you or anything. So (laughs) I'm pretty sure you got this, Mike. (laughs) Yeah, you got it, Mike. I love the confidence, sir. We're going to talk about how college students are drinking less, smoking more, 
We're going to talk about the Emmys briefly, just uh, the fact that they were not COVID safe. And then we're going to talk about just a couple other responses to, you know, just we're seeing COVID logic bend into all different kind of unique, uncomfortable shapes. So we'll we'll talk about the conservative logic that thinks that liberals are doing reverse psychology on them. All of that, plenty more. But first, Ariel, we like to ask our guest, what is something from your search history? Right. So from my so all of my answers to all these questions all surround the same theme right now. So recent search history, the thing that is predominant in my search history right now is I'm looking for like really good cycling shorts Mm -hmm. uh, because I recently got into like biking and I went on this like 30, no, 40 something mile bike ride this weekend and like my butt hurts, like my sits mm. bones, like everything is in like deep, deep pain. And now I need to like gear up and actually buy actually good cycling gear. What so, are, shorts make you a just rocking? I'm so ignorant. Yeah, so like, the, like, like the like the padded shorts. Oh, and I also, right, right. I'm also looking for like a different bike seat that has less padding compared because apparently that's better too. So it's like my search history is all about biking right now, and specifically about like my butt pain. how to relieve butt pain from biking what kind of seriously though (laughs) like a road bike gravel what kind of yeah i have a 10 year old road bike that i bought when i was doing my undergraduate degree and i never really got into it very intensely and then i moved to new york city and i was too scared to bike in new york city so i but i have a bunch of friends who like are very intense cyclists and Mm -hmm. they are building up my confidence they're taking me on rides I went through Central Park this weekend and Times Square nice. and like contended with those those cars and it, it was yeah. good. It was a good experience. I'm, I'm also getting a, on my bike, but I have I just got an electric bike just to like kind of commute nice. a, around so I don't drive my car as much. Yeah, which yeah. is great. But part of it is I live in one of the most hostile places for someone to be on a bicycle, <laughs> which is L.A. Um, right. And I like you, like my partner, she goes to she'll she'll bike into work so she's like very comfortable on the roads i i grew up almost getting hit by cars to the point where i rode the road my mostly would ride my bike on the sidewalk which you're not supposed to do just to like avoid the stress of that but as i've gotten out more i'm i can totally identify with like the comfort level because like i at first hated cars like flying by me when i was on a bike and now you know i'm like okay i'm i'm learning my safety like sort of protocols yeah. how to keep my head on a swivel know how to what to how to read my body to signal to other cars exactly. and things like that yeah and i'm slowly gaining that confidence so like yeah defensive I, I like bike techniques are so important and I'm, yeah. I'm like slowly learning them yeah 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 new york is no joke you i i've i used to bike around new york a lot and have almost been sandwiched by a bus in between like a bus and a parked car. I guess I don't know why I think LA is more hostile. I think it's because I see more people in New York being like, I don't give a fuck. (laughs) I'm out here. And in that way, I'm like, oh, it must be easy to bike. But when I'm on the sidewalks of New York, I'm still like, man, I would not bike in this shit at all. But I guess it's all about, you know, learning, you know, learning the environment and getting used to it. Yeah, I'm just getting comfy on my bike, you know? Yeah. I've definitely felt the pain of not having the right. My my uh, cycling pants were corduroy, and <laughs> oh boy, uh, yeah, I started a fire. <laughs> yeah, uh, at one point it was not good. Just leaving a, a trail of fabric behind you. <laughs> uh, what is something you think is overrated? Okay, so along this this like theme of biking here, you know, I've done spin classes. I've tried a Peloton bike in the past. Like, I think that's what's overrated. Like, okay. now that I'm getting into, like, outdoor biking, it is just 100% better to just be outside to, like, the the real-life effort of, like, real roads, outdoors. It just feels so much better. So, like, that's that's the overrated, underrated thing. Like, I think, I think, I think spin classes are super overrated. Mm. But who, when you're biking around on the street, who's telling you that you're killing it? And right. just shouting at you. Uh, I'm sweating too. I'm sweating <laughs> okay, too. So Come on now. So I will tell you, my friend Dylan, who takes me out on bike rides, the first bike ride that we did together, we went like 44 miles or something. And I had never 
done that much. Like not even close. Like like my last my last bike ride had probably been like two miles or like through five miles. Right. So he takes me out on this bike ride, and at the very end, the last like five miles, I was dying. And he starts mm. playing the theme to Rocky next to me, mm. like holding out his phone. <laughs> There you go. So nice. my friend Dylan is the answer to that question. Everybody needs a Dylan. Yes. That's, Dylan, that's awesome. You son yeah. of a bitch. <laughs> uh, for all the Predator fans out there. But yeah, I love to hear that anything <laughs> that Rocky theme would get you through it. Oh uh, yeah. I gotta get a speak do you have a speaker for your bike? You blasting tunes when you biking? Uh not yet. Not yet. Maybe I'll get there at some point. Yeah, that's I think that's yeah. my next step because I don't want to like have headphones in, but I don't mind yeah. being like the guy who's like, who's that old millennial blasting drum and bass off their bicycle <laughs> <laughs> riding through this like park? Yeah, you can also do those um, like bone conducting headphones that just conduct yeah. through your jaw. Those are kind of nerdy, though. They're like not not the best look, but they're safe. Yeah, and I don't mind just being aggressive. I'd rather have someone be like, turn that shit off <laughs> <Right. laughs> than like have my space headphones on. That's perfect. The the jaw one, so you can hear the sounds around you as your jaw yeah. is. Oh, that's pretty cool. How do they stick to your jaw? Oh, so they just like pass behind your ears, like very much oh, okay. like, um, you know, like old school sports headphones that would wrap around your ears. Yeah. And yeah. then they like stick to your jaw on the side. And so it's just wrapping around your ears, basically. Yeah. That That sounds trippy. The, to like have it the is music trippy. coming from inside your your like, head. Have you ever tried them? Do you know what the sound quality is like? Uh, sound quality is not as good. I used to have a pair. Yeah, uh-huh. right. I used to own a pair, and it's not as good. It's definitely not like <laughs> audiophiles will hate them. <laughs> right, right. Um, <laughs> but you know they do the trick, and if you're listening to podcasts, you can definitely hear. Yeah, um, yeah, and right. if you're listening to music, like it, it's more about like feeling the music, I guess. But they really do leave your ears like entirely clear. Yeah. Maybe that's better than me strapping a boom box onto my bike. So I can't hear it. Probably. Anything. Probably makes yeah. more sense. Yeah. But yeah. I love Boom by Andy C. <laughs> Stra- I, I picture you strapping a boom box onto your head. Like, uh, <laughs> like on top of the helmet yeah. and shit. <laughs> like, it's, I'm so un, like, unbalanced. Oh, no, no. Be, I'll be yeah. safe out there. What is something that you think is underrated? Well, yeah, so I kind of already gave you my answer, which is biking outside. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing that's super underrated. Everything is all, there's a theme here, Mm -hmm. you know, I really, I really, (laughs) but yeah, I, I've been enjoying being outside so, so much. It's a real workout. It's super hard. And I don't know. I just feel like I have to be like incredibly alert. Mm -hmm. Feels like I'm like some kind of superhero sometimes just looking at my environment while i'm biking and it's it's a good it's a good feeling i love the freedom of it i feel like it's like yeah. the one yeah. of the few th- it's one of the first things i've done recently that i actually felt like i did when i was a kid like doing something I was yeah like, oh, man, yeah this feels exactly like when i'd be like i'll be back in an hour mom and i'm like getting <laughs> yes. on my bike and it's like going to 7-eleven like further down because right. there was a slurpy flavor i wanted that they didn't have a my 7-eleven yeah. and shit and that like sense of i think being free and like having the wind in my face i i was that was like a thing i really wasn't prepared for as i really started like biking more and more and more i was like oh man oh, yeah. this is like it's it's activating all these feelings it's, it's so great and all of a sudden new york city feels like really small because now right. i can actually like reach every spot relatively fast and like it, it just it makes everything so much more accessible all of a sudden mm-hmm. like if you can get on a bike like 100 percent recommended that's yeah. what i noticed when i started biking around new york is like i had learned new york geography as like a series of islands based around the subway stops that right, i right. had gone to and so and then biking just allowed you to like kind of connect all of those and actually see oh this is actually super super right. close i never i yeah. never feel more dumb than when i bike through somewhere and i'm like oh my god this is just on the other side of this part of right. town <laughs> right. like, i don't know what the fuck i thought this was yeah. like, i grew up in this fucking place yeah yeah oh man uh all right well let's take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk news And we're back, and there is a developing, worsening humanitarian crisis on the other side of the border in Del Rio, Texas. There are mostly 
Haitian migrants currently living under a bridge and basically just waiting to see if the United States will help them. Yeah. And the answer seems to be no. It's sadly they're seeking asylum in the United States and what, you know, Trump and Biden, they seem to be doing the same thing, which is basically telling them, no, we are unable to do that. Biden hasn't deviated much from Trump's policies, which is essentially like wait in Mexico during this period. And we will use a CDC guideline to sort of justify sending people back on flights no matter what under the guise of essentially protecting the U.S. from COVID. And a lot of people are really skeptical whether or not that is even having the positive results they claim to have by saying like, oh, well, these people, <laughs> we got to get them out because of the pandemic. But it's just a way to justify the inhumane treatment of these people who are seeking asylum. And, you know, again, cramped conditions, glacial pace of processing people, just we're seeing the same problems, you know, just sort of play out over and over. And predictably, Republicans are pouncing on this moment as like a way to paint displaced people as subhuman and also to try and create a scandal that they can campaign on for Joe Biden because xenophobia like, is a great motivating tactic for their base, which is to point at something at the board and say, look what's happening because of Joe Biden. Now get out there and vote for someone who will treat them like not people. And we've already seen pictures of the fucking border patrol, like on horses, whipping people. I don't know if you saw those images yet, but it is a really, really terrible scene. And Biden, I, you know, is totally aware of this. I think the dynamic, especially as it relates to the conservative sort of painting of this, this incident right now. And I think that's why he's barely changed the policy since he's took office, because he doesn't want that. He doesn't want to give the right, the, the optic win of essentially being humane and allowing them to turn it into this guy's just he's just basically burning the borders down. You know, it's free for all over here at this point. Um, And it's and then at the same time, continued sort of disregard for Haiti's place in the Western Hemisphere and why we're at this place, because there's typically a really a strong connection between people who are seeking asylum in the United States or trying to get into the United States and us meddling in their country at some point prior mm-hmm. to that and destabilizing mm-hmm. it. And this is yeah, no Haiti's exception. a really good example of that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the backdrop behind all of this is like the earthquake. It's Haiti having lost its president to assassination very mm-hmm. recently. And yeah, it's it's sad to see. You know, the fact that Biden isn't doing very much right now yeah, and is not changing post-Trump is not is not really reversing many of these policies. Yeah, it's it's um, it definitely feels like an optics thing for sure. Yeah, right. it's it's the only way you can manage, I think, because already there's problems as it relates to, you know, the, the, the covid mandates. As he, you know, he's trying to play a very walk a fine line with that. There's also like he's got the U.N. stuff happening this week where he's like going to try and like beg like Macron to like like the U.S. again because the whole submarine sail incident. But yeah, I mean, I think I kind of saw vague reference to that, but because Francis. Yeah, because they were like, hey, like we sell nuclear subs, not you guys to Australia. It's just it's all part of this pact of the the New Zealand, Australia, sort of U.S. sort of uh you know, Pacific pact uh, against China. But, you know, when it comes to the Haitians, you know, like there have ever since that earthquake in 2010, you know, it's caused many people to seek opportunity outside of the country at a at a like a, at a larger rate. And then the pandemic killed off a lot of jobs that people had in places like Brazil or Chile and things like that. So they're moving further to try and find a way to survive. And this time, there were a lot of social media uh, rumors that were like fueling a lot of the optimism for these migrants, which is essentially that they were like, well, there's protected status for Haitians. But that was really only applying to the, the people that were within the United States. And now they're being met at the border with whips and horses and just saying like this now is not the time and putting people on flights back to a country that is like verging on a like full on like hot civil war. Yeah. And so many people are like, this doesn't even make sense. Like, this is just this is like cruelty upon cruelty to do this. And, you know, to the point of like U.S. (laughs) intervention in Haiti, this has been an issue. You know, Haiti's economic development was hamstrung the second that they liberated themselves 
with a slave slave rebellion from France. And France essentially said, OK, we'll uh, we'll acknowledge your independence if you pay us for the lost property that the slave owners experienced as a result of you liberating yourselves. And those payments were being made from the beginning of the 19th century up until the last payment I think was made in the 40s, the 1940s. And, you know, again, the U.S. was very, uh, very quickly entered uh, Haiti, like towards the uh, the beginning of the 20th century, took over the Treasury and was sort of essentially saying like, OK, 40 percent of all the wealth in this country is going to be redirected towards, quote unquote, debt that you owe the U.S. or France. And this has just been this has kept. Haiti from actually being able to grow as a nation and also be part of a global economy. So just like so many layers of, yeah. of, of trauma and death to deal with. But this is, again, this is, this is the thing that the American media or mainstream media will never do is like give you a real primer on these countries where people are coming from and understanding what the U S's role is and how they got to where they are. And on some level should be arguing why we should actually be helping these people. Because it's typically, it's always reasons to like why we shouldn't. I mean, Joe Biden famously said in like the 90s that like Haiti was just inconsequential to the United States. And that's why he was focused more on the Balkans. So, yeah. yeah. I actually didn't know he said that. Interesting. Yeah. 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 It's, It's really, and it's like very like, he said it in very dark terms, like essentially saying like if it sunk into the sea, like we wouldn't really, Jesus Christ, we wouldn't think twice about it. 90s Biden tells on modern day Biden a lot, like quotes from 90s Biden, like about Israel. And he said, if Haiti just quietly sunk into the Caribbean or rose up 300 feet, it wouldn't matter a whole lot in terms of our interest. Oh, nice. Cool. Yeah. That was 1994. I do not. That is wild. That is not a great quote. No, but he's not. He's full of not great quotes, <laughs> right? you know, like, and it, all the time you're like, no, nah, he said that it's, he, he's sort of one of those people where you go, he said that. And yeah. then at the other yes. side of your mind, you're all like, oh, yeah, he said that shit. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I can also mm-hmm. see that. Yeah. I mean, the hope is that he is politically adaptable and changes and like kind of feels the the pressure to move towards a more humanitarian place. But that is. Yeah, when you're doing shit like what he's doing at the border right now, it kind of suggests that he hasn't really changed that much with regards well, to how just, he feels. About it's just not a fight. He, you know, this is like another thing. Like, I think, yeah, he he expended a lot of political capital, like the the visibly because of the Afghanistan thing. By saying like we shouldn't right. have been there, this is always going to happen. So we, someone had to do it because every person before me lied that they were going to do it. So we have right. to do this to like move things along. Yeah, did I is there a better way to do it? Yeah, probably, but he didn't. And I think, you know, immigration is just another one of those third rail issues in this country where if you suddenly have any movement towards a humane policy towards allowing people into this country or people who are looking for a, a better life or asylum that the, all it's going to do is you're going to now have to face a just a media culture war against this idea that you're saying like America doesn't matter and this is just some place for people to come flood and be dirty or whatever. Right. And I don't think, yeah, it, it doesn't seem, I don't know how many people have moved sort of past being able to look at a situation like that and kind of not have that take up all the oxygen in a, in the news. Yeah. And it's another example of just, you know, the, U- the U.S. government basically understaffing the people who are processing people who are making claims of asylum and then you know they even if they had the right policy in place they would yeah you know just be like yeah but it's the same thing with the distribution of rent relief and you know the eviction ban it's like they don't they they can have all these big ideas and policies but then they don't actually staff it up so you don't have the bureaucracy in place to actually do anything right. uh, with your with your ideas Right. I think Del Del Rio is having a huge problem with that, like Mm -hmm. specifically, right, because they're arresting a bunch of people. They're putting a lot of these people in jail and they just don't have the staff to like to like take care of these individuals, to process them. Like it's it's it really is like in Del Rio. It is bad right now. Yeah. And the sad thing is that all these images just will make someone who's not as informed just think that there's no solution to something like this. And it's like, I don't know. We have Border Patrol. We have you know, right. 
customs people who work on this, but they still, I mean, this is, this is, this is why we got to just tighten stuff up rather than really understanding like, no, we're not, we're not, we're not servicing these people in the, in the manner that we should be. We're not, we're not creating the, <laughs> we don't have the actual infrastructure to deal with this because this isn't, this is only going to increase, um, mm -hmm. as climate changes, uh, and gets more intense and causes more like environmental disasters. People are going to move. That's just a nailed on fact of our, our world. Yeah. And yeah. borders are not people still move. So yeah. there is some like, at a, I mean, I don't know when that reckoning is going to come, but you know, that's going to be a huge part of how we adapt to the changing world is understanding that like, we, we have to let go of these ideas of like, no, you're from there. You can only stay there and you stay there till you die. And if you don't like, don't even think about coming here because we only have enough for us, stuff for us. And we're not even worried on trying to think yeah. of how we can make it all work. I mean, for uh, a lot of people, the reckoning is already happening. Like the, you know, Human Rights Watch published a letter on Wednesday of last week just saying, you know, the, this policy of like heavily guarding the routes that people cross the border that are hospitable so that pushing people to extremely uh, hot and unforgiving terrain, like they are killing people. They're straight up killing yes. people as the world gets hotter and hotter. Heat waves are already the deadliest form of natural disaster in the U.S. And they're just pushing people into regions where, like, in terms of how much it's changing, the number of days over 100 degrees Fahrenheit per year is expected to climb to 60 by mid-century, up from the annual average of 28 between mm -hmm. 1971 and 2000. Like, that's more than doubled in, you know, 50 years because of climate change. It's going to really kill a lot of people. And But again, it's like sort of this, we're not doing anything. Like, they're, they're the ones who are, who are doing it type logic that conservatism by doing nothing. Like just by by doing nothing, rather it allows the Democratic Party to just not get called out for doing cruel things, but you know passively do the cruel policy that makes it easy for them to triangulate with conservatives. Yeah, I mean, so there are so many thoughts regarding heat waves. One is that like actually nobody knows that they are like the deadliest natural disasters. Like people don't think about them. They don't happen in a uh, as a shocking of a way as like a wildfire or yeah, exactly. or a storm, you know, it, it's such a different kind of death. It is also an incredibly terrible death. Mm -hmm. It is yeah. really, really brutal. Like if you like look up an article that tells you exactly how people die from heat waves, it is not pretty. And on top of that, you have border patrol agents dumping water yeah. at the border. Like when, when these nonprofit organizations leave water for migrants along those routes, they dump the water out. Yeah. And that that to me is really something that every time I think about that, it's just like I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine doing that as policy. Right. Because, yeah. And the way I think we have these departments set up, it's just to be like, OK, who's who's willing to brutalize these people? It has nothing to do with compassion, meeting these people with compassion. It's like these are invaders. So take away anything they have that would potentially give them safe passage, like you're saying, like cynically, just like cutting open water containers and just yeah. leaving it. So there's no there's nothing for a fucking human person who is wandering the earth to try and have a better outcome for themselves. Yeah, they, just fundamentally, we have just such a barbaric system. And I think I think just in general, in most countries just think of immigration as this like dirty thing uh, or right. bad thing rather than like acknowledging our place in like a global community and understanding like, you know, at a certain point, I, I think a lot of Americans are under the assumption that America will be the best place to live forever, no matter mm. what happens to the planet. And, you know, I think not many people put themselves in a place with what if you were trying to cross a border? Right. And what does that look like? But I think exceptionalism has completely put yeah. that out of people's minds because that's the only way you could look at this and not have any compassion. Like, I think me, someone who's so worried about what the future holds for this planet and future generations, it's all I can think of is like, well, that that could be you. That could be us. That could be anyone. Yeah, could be yeah. anyone. I mean, except maybe the super rich, right? Right, like, right. You, yeah, the super space. rich are going to be just fine. And it, other than that, it could be anyone. Yeah. Yeah. 
How do you want your kids and grandkids to be treated when they're trying to cross the Canadian border? And right. like everybody's trying to get the fuck out of America. Right. All right. Well, speaking of people doing offensive things through inaction and just trying not to be offensive while doing the most offensive shit in the world, uh, let's talk about Mike Pence. Apparently, the rumors are getting louder and louder. Mike Pence thinks he has a shot at becoming president. I think he's always thought that. You just got strong vibes that he was like, I'm just going to let sit back and let Trump just fuck himself up. Just let him explode and we good. You know, he and the Cokes were, you know, that was, that was he's like the number one boy, the number one good boy for the Koch brothers. And I think that was their plan for a long time. And now they're like, all right, well, let's let's try and do it. You know, let's yeah. try and get this guy in. This this is a weird situation <laughs> for everybody yeah. involved. I mean, like, you know, Trump and him. The, the, first of all, the more and more you read, it sounds that Pence had a harder time, like thinking of whether or not he should invoke the 25th Amendment over whether or not he should invalidate the election which I was like, okay, that's fucking He was scary, more but... willing to Im uh, invalidate the election. Yeah, right? exactly, because yeah, he's yeah. so thirsty for power. Like, he just did, he just stood idle. Like, you know, we saw we saw him throughout the presidency. He was like mm -hmm. the, the man in the room who pretended he wasn't in the room the whole time yeah. and tried to eyes. walk out with his, like, integrity intact, which wasn't going right. to happen. But him and Trump have been in, like, really, like, bad terms, you know, ever since right. the, the 6th. And him, like, you know, not invalidating the election for him. Uh, and they say that, like, that either one of the, in the new Bob Woodward book that's coming out, apparently that Trump told him, like, essentially said, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Um, <laughs> like, as the administration was winding down. And, you know, they said the last time they spoke was maybe April after uh, Pence had some kind of, like, heart procedure. And I'm, you know, Trump. He absolutely, if he hates you, he's going to come for you. I mean, he did it to Jeff Sessions. Right. He does it to all kinds of people. It's not like he's going to be promoting Pence as Pence campaigns. Like, he, Pence doesn't get to capitalize off of any of that. And correct me if I'm wrong, but my impression is that Trump supporters, many of them do not actually like Pence. No, nah. oh, no, they do not. I mean, I mean... I, I got the sense from them uh, chanting that they wanted to hang him mm -hmm. when they stormed the Capitol that may, maybe they weren't the biggest fan. Hmm. Yeah, he's just trying to do this thing where, you know, he's like missing all these like just sort of basic facts, right? That if you're, you, your appeal with the MAGA base is fractured. Like, yeah, there are conservatives who do like you, like because you're a Republican and you're part of the administration. Then you have like, the MAGA zombie click that is like, you tried to go against the leader and will not forgive him. But so I'm like, I'm not sure what his appeal, what he thinks his appeal is with the base, aside from like yeah. trying to be, you know, because he's not like the total piece of shit conservative politician, which is like getting really popular, like your, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greens and like Lauren Boebert types. That's not him. He's like the very upstanding, big Christian energy guy who tries to act like he's like, you know, the most moral figure in American history. But right. He still tries tries to, like, appear respectable and, and seems to care about that. Right. Although, like, I, I don't know, that thing about him not being able to be in a room with a woman alone is just like, really? <laughs> yeah. It's still like, really? I, I think about it every time I hear his name. Like, that's wow, troubling. Bro. That's troubling for anyone, let alone the vice president of the United States of America. Like if I heard that somebody I knew had that policy or like somebody that I knew, so like a friend of a friend had that policy, I'd be like concerned about the world, let alone like somebody who is wielding that much power. Right. I'm like, are you a monster? Is that yeah. the deal? Like, is that the subtext of that? Because I know you're trying to act like it's not proper, but that just raises so many more questions uh, or what you believe um, a dynamic between a man right. and a woman should be because it's so aggressively gender normative. <laughs> it's like this. What is I don't even know where this guy's <laughs> coming from. So we'll see what I mean. We'll see what he tries to campaign on. While most people who are in orbit of Trump, like they've been waiting to see what Trump does, you know, like Nikki Haley and those types. But 
He's got an office in D.C. He's hiring staffers. He's already got a fundraiser going like it looks like this thing's going to kick off. Yeah. But yeah, I think we'll see what happens. He's very popular with like the Cokes and other wealthy benefactors. Like that was his main thing. It was kind of appeasing them, soothing the people who donated to Trump and what like the very wealthy, the 1%. Like he was sort of the Trump administration's mouthpiece to that group. And so he's always got that going for him. Right. I feel... I feel like he looks at himself in the mirror and he's like, you look like a fucking president because he's got that like head of white hair, you know, and like he looks like, you know, he's got that would be cast to play a president on TV if he wasn't like a a wooden, you know, weirdo. But I do I I think this is going to get more uh, coverage than it should. Like my guess is he's going to get a lot of coverage because most of the mainstream media like are Democrats or think like Democrats and like are like, well, this is the safe play. This is, you know, like the mm. ha- this is what the Republican Party would do if they thought like Democrats basically is, you know, go for the safe person who's going to make the right statements, you know, and ignore the, fact- the sentiment in the base completely. <laughs> right. Yeah. And ignore the sentiment in the base completely. And then my my assumption is he's going to fade once public polling gets involved and they're like oh he has he has like no support <laughs> yeah or but, you know trump's just gonna come out swinging i mean that would and, be fun and then that's gonna be an entire messy situation but i don't know yeah it, it's we shall wait and see uh who, who thinks they can do it i guess the one thing to to kind of keep an eye out for us for when specifically when Trump and Pence go head to head, because then Trump is going to have to explain why Pence isn't his his VP pick. And Pence is going to have to explain why he isn't Trump's VP pick. And, uh, you know, that'll be that'll be fascinating. (laughs) Yeah. Presumably presumably, he was a total he was a total monster to work with, folks. Being the vice president was one of the worst times of my life. Then I knew I could do it better. And you're like, oh, my God. I could definitely see, yeah. I mean, he he must know some of the secrets, right, of the of the administration. But at the same time, he has to keep (laughs) Trump supporters on who would consider voting for him on his side, right? So he won't be able to shit talk Trump that much. Trump will be able to do whatever he wants, right? Yeah. I guess what what do you think he does? He like hits himself in a debate to be like, "Whoa, guys, whoa, that was crazy, right? How I I can't stop hitting myself." Trump's right a little bit. I, I don't know how to disagree with him without being in direct opposition to him. So this is going to be tough. Mm. Yeah, that will be interesting. It'll be interesting to see a Donald Trump who can do whatever he wants. I wonder wonder what that'll look like. Well, yeah, he's got to figure out. He's sitting on all that cash. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see what he does with it. It seems like he's just paying his bills at the moment. Probably keep it would be my guess. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back. And we're back. And some news on college students. Yeah. Uh, they are drinking less, smoking more weed. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Do you, th- this seems kind of natural to me just based on the fact that the quality of weed has gone way up and alcohol has always been <laughs> very... <laughs> Like very bad for you. <laughs> like what, why? Like is it? Like I just feel like the the more you know. Yeah. Like if I mean, weed yeah. is the same legal status as alcohol, why the fuck would you ever drink alcohol? I, th- I think there's you know a few. They, right now they said it's like a six percent increase from like a few years ago when it comes to like the number of college students who are using cannabis. And they also found that like alcohol dipped, the alcohol use dipped from 62% to 56%. And uh, like for people of them, like who are like being drunk, like in the last month, that went from 28% from 35% and binge drinking fell oh like God. pretty, pretty like heavily. Uh, they said like, you know, binge drinking has gone from 32% to 24%, which is the lowest in like this study's history. And, but like over the course of even this show, 
we've we've checked in on this poll before and it had always shown that binge drinking was going down and lower. And I think that's just always just been the case, I think. But but I think the reason it got to these historic lows is because 2020 just was a complete utter lack of like social act, social events where yeah. it seems like that's where college students probably that's their preferred venue for alcohol consumption versus the pandemic, which is like, how do I make my dorm room interesting for fucking 12 hours? Yeah, I'll do <laughs> yeah. some like psychedelics and take some edibles and watch Ted Lasso and <laughs> I got a day, baby. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, it'll be really interesting to see if this dip like continues post pandemic. Yeah. But like just as a as a like individual, like let's just take this for what it is. Like this is like definitely super good news. And that is that's very cool. Like I yeah. it's nice to see because like, you know, alcohol is just straight up poison. And weed yeah. is not in the same yeah. way, so it's 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 this pretty cool. Yeah, this this uh, it's like this whole Washington Post article. Like the first like third was just this information, and then the rest was like debating the differences between like weed and like how bad it can be. And I was like, wait, what's what is this? All what right. Are you going to tell us about second. this? Are you going to bring up all these scary studies? And you're like, I don't know though. But for young people, man, it can really and I'm like, yeah, there are some studies where like certain developmental things can be stunted to a certain extent, but uh, yeah. not to the point when you're like, what is alcohol? Like, you know, truly, like the effects of alcohol on people can are just horrendous. It's really terrible. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's also like weed studies are so complicated to cite too. Like, I think I think that's changing. Yeah. But for a really, really long time, scientists weren't even allowed to to study weed unless it came from like one specific farm slash lab in the U.S. that was allowed right. to grow it. And the strains and what they were growing was not at all representative of what was out in, in the wild, mm-hmm. in the public. Um, Wait a second. And so like that, that like not allowing scientists to properly study weed means that like up until very recently, and a lot of studies were just like, it's just, it, it's really, really hard to take anything from those studies, unfortunately. Yeah. And they so, it also looks like found the, that. I was just going to say, it looks like the byline on this uh, Washington Post op-ed is Pete Coors. Is that, <laughs> maybe, maybe that has something to do Augustus with all this. Bush? <laughs> Augustus. <laughs> uh, okay. But yeah, it's, it's definitely like, you know, I, I, the times are changing and, and I, the, obviously the pandemic's just like changed all of people's habits, but they've also yeah. seen like psychedelic, use of psychedelics has gone up by 4% too. And I yeah. think that's kind of like the, I feel like that's sort of the newer trend in recreate people using drugs recreationally yeah. is psychedelics because it's like that's another thing where we've been prevented from really doing in-depth research into psychedelics and mm-hmm. the stuff that we are only beginning to hear about is feel seems very compelling people see like uses just outside of a trip like that it's yeah. it can be uh spiritually healing that you can you know heal from certain traumas and things like that and so yeah i'm sure and i i feel like i all i see like on tiktok or like a lot of gen z people like doing like trippy psychedelic videos of being like things like we don't realize about psychedelics and like why <laughs> like the government has like kept us from like thinking these things. So there's definitely like this utility, I think to psychedelics now that people are like sort of connecting to, but yeah, it's the, the yeah. trend is going down. I should acknowledge that there is a difference between like the effects of alcohol and, and weed. And I definitely chose alcohol in a, in a big way in my life. And the effects are bad, but I shouldn't be like, why would you ever choose drinking? Because I certainly did for a long time. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I mean, I don't think drinking is going away for what it's worth. Right. I don't think it's like yeah. nope. going to go away. But unfortunately, yeah. I think that people thinking about it a little bit more is a good idea. Yeah, yeah I agree. Exactly. Uh, all right. Let's talk about COVID safety, COVID preventative measures. There were the Emmys two nights ago when Seth Rogen just got up and like people were laughing and he, it had the cadence of a stand-up routine but he was just like they lied to us and said this was going to be outside it's not outside no one's wearing masks why i feel unsafe i wouldn't have come if i knew this like yeah was here let's play literally the clip. all he said <laughs> like, yeah, let's play the clip because he's truly like the canadian in a room full of americans he's like the fuck are you guys doing in here? Like, really? Uh, so let's just hear Seth. But yeah, it, it it's funny because his disbelief does sound like a bit. <laughs> right. It's clearly right. not. 
Anyway, good to be here at the Emmy Awards. Let me start by saying there is way too many of us in this little room. What are we doing? They said this was outdoors. It's not. They lied to us. We're in a hermetically sealed tent right now. I would not have come to this. Why is there a roof? It's more important that we have three chandeliers than that we make sure we don't kill Eugene Levy tonight. <laughs> Shout out to him looking out for a fellow Canadian. But yeah, I dude, know. I love that he talks about Eugene Levy. Good work. <laughs> yeah. Protect I had him. not seen that clip. That's a good clip. Holy shit. Yeah. yeah. He's really, it really does feel like, like if I were at a party and they're like, yeah, it's going to be all safe. It's all outdoors, vaccinated guests only. And you're like, yo. <laughs> this is in like someone's fucking two car garage, and there's seventy right. of us in here. What are we doing? If you're like, oh, you're so funny, man, by observing shit, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> no, but seriously, they said this was going to be outside. It's like, this is not like a joke. that's actually Dyst- not a stand up routine. He's just talking. Right. It's great. It's a dystopian nightmare where you're like just talking, <laughs> making observations of things that are happening, and people are like, ah, Twilight Zone. This ah, guy. Ah, 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 ah. Look at him. He said, Why are we here? They lied to us. <laughs> We're in a hermetically sealed tent. Yeah. Um, no. That was Love the suit, though. Yeah. Great yeah, suit. he looks great. Love the suit. He's like kind of aging into Steve Martin a little bit. He's got like a Steve Martinish vibe about him. Um, Interesting. What do you mean? Hmm. He's like, yeah, he's like clean cut. He's got gray hair. He's got glasses that are <laughs> Steve purely Martin. Like... Okay, but he doesn't have like an arrow going through his head or like, unfortunately, you know, like a like yeah. a fiddle. What was it? No banjo, banjo, banjo. Yeah. banjo. yeah. He ain't banjoing. He's he's throwing he's throwing that clay. You know what I mean? Doing the pottery. Yeah, mm, I like that. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of, um, you know, COVID logic that is difficult to differentiate from comedy. <laughs> there, so, I don't know. Like, it, what what was the outlet that published Breitbart. this? Breitbart. Okay. Op-ed, baby. Yeah. So, I mean, basically the background or the, the foundation of this is that Fox News, you know, polls are saying Americans are worried about the pandemic. They embrace vaccines and masks and are even okay with mandates, uh, you know, to like a majority, like, 60s. like over yeah. 55%. I mean, the mandates are a little less popular, but that's arriving to the point of a 50% plus one. Yes, yeah, 55. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, and even some conservatives are like, yeah, no, we're definitely on the wrong side of this. How did we get here? Mm-hmm. And this gentleman has, has an idea that I am kind of impressed with the the kind of logical leaps that that they've taken here. Yeah. Um, but basically their explanation is that the rest of the world has reverse psychologyed them into being against vaccines. Because mm-hmm. this is a huh. because Howard Stern was like, you know, mocking people who had like passed away for who are like covid deniers, like really prominent covid deniers who eventually succumbed to the to the virus. And he starts off saying, quote, this is all from the op-ed. This is not yeah. this is we not a comedy read bit. All of this. We quote, need to read all of this. Fine. Do you want to know why I think Howard Stern is going full monster with his mockery of three fellow human beings who died of the coronavirus? Because the leftists like Stern and CNN, LOL, and Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Anthony Fauci are deliberately looking to manipulate Trump supporters into not getting vaccinated. Nothing else makes sense to me. In a country where elections are decided on razor-thin margins, it does it not benefit one side if their opponents simply drop dead? If I wanted to use reverse psychology to convince people not to get a life-saving vaccination, I would do exactly what Stern and the left are doing. I would bully and taunt and mock and ridicule you for not getting vaccinated, knowing the human response would be, hey, fuck you, I'm never getting vaccinated. No one wants to cave to a piece of shit like that or a scumbag like Fauci or any of the scumbags at (laughs) CNN, LOL. So we don't. And what's the result? They're all vaccinated and we're not. And when you look at the numbers, it's only it's only numbers that matter, which is who's dying. It's overwhelmingly the unvaccinated who are dying and they have just manipulated millions of their political enemies into the unvaccinated camp. According to the CDC, again, he talks about who's dying of China flu. Um, And he goes on to say, could it be? 
Could it possibly be the left has manipulated huge swaths of Trump's voters into believing they are owning the left by not taking life saving the life saving Trump vaccine? I am strongly pro vaccine and now believe that Biden, the media, Hollywood and the left in general are deliberately being as nasty as possible as a way to use reverse psychology against Trump supporters. They know that the uglier they get, the more unvaccinated Trump supporters will dig in and refuse to get vaccinated. Well, I think that's the plan. They're vaccinated. We're not. The unvaccinated are almost exclusively ones who's dying. Who's winning the debate? Who's owning who? I. That was exhausting, Miles. But it's I. Uh, my my truly. eyebrows are permanently stuck in this quizzical like, <laughs> shock face because I cannot you, believe you Botox. What are? Oh, I'm sorry. I put on my eyebrows too high this morning. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this whole fucking idea that again. It's never personal responsibility in this case, apparently, because we've been manipulated. We've been we've been gamed like a parent would a three year old because that's our intellect. OK, they knew that that we're easily manipulated. I don't know what they're trying to say, but yeah, these people I think have that's not the been. Thing. It's like it's very condescending towards. People who have not been vaccinated, like very con- like thinking that that is what their th- their thought process is, is, is extremely like infantilizing and condescending mm-hmm. and then on the other hand all i see is like health officials desperately imploring people who are unvaccinated to actually get the vaccine yeah like, like i just scumbag this, is, fauci. this is whole thing is wild this is yeah wild. <laughs> because that, like that scumbag fauci that's the best is just like fauci is just from the start but like please get vaccinated like dude just just we're it's we're safe, just asking please. you. It's safe, please, 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 please. Fucking reverse like, psychology. Oh, look at this asshole. <laughs> right. Okay. Exactly. It's like, wait, what? <laughs> what? What the fuck are you what? talking? This is the thing I don't realize. This is the why their, their logic loop has now began to eat its own asshole now because they don't right. understand the origins of this. It's not they have not been owned or manipulated by the left. You have been owned by the unscrupulous monsters that have weaponized your partisanship against you to stay in power. Because the ideology for the conservatives is basically don't agree with liberals ever. Yeah. So how the fuck are you being manipulated by them? If your marching orders are to just to stand antithetically, diametrically opposed to whatever they're saying, that's 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 of your own creation. That's how the discourse has operated on that side for the last, you know, however many decades. It's not about, okay, yeah, we can't agree on this thing. It's just full stop. What'd they say? No, I'm against it. <laughs> They're manipulating me into not getting a vaccine. It's I'm. Uh, but again, you know, like, I don't know if the tone of this is to also try and be like, so we have to take things back, you know, conservatives and get vaccinated because clearly he is trying to draw a line of like, this is part of the health of the party that's on the line. And yes, maybe we've been owned. But are you so are you urging them to get vaccinated? What's. What, this what also feels here? like be, because so much of the right is like fueled by uh, really wealthy people just funding like think tanks. This also feels like it could be a strategy thought up by a conservative think tank to like try to get pe- Breitbart readers and like the conservative movement on board. They're like, OK, so if we say the liberals don't want them to do the vaccine, then maybe they do vaccine. Right. Maybe this is actually reverse psychology for conservatives where they're like trying to convince conservatives and people who are unvaccinated to get vaccinated by saying like. They're getting owned like, you know, maybe. Yeah. Well, this is the thing that he say this ends right with sort of this whole thing of like being like, you know, the number is startling when you're talking about the percentage of people who are dying that are unvaccinated. An eye opener. And again, this I'm quoting, quote, forget cases, forget mandates, forget masks and Howard Stern. When you learn that almost everyone dying is unvaccinated, that's a come to Jesus moment. I could be wrong. Maybe the left isn't that evil and sly. But when I think of the unvaccinated lying there dying, being told by their doctor, sorry, there's nothing more we can do to get enough oxygen to your lungs. I don't laugh. My heart breaks for that person. Imagine lying there dying, thinking that all you had to do was get the Trump vaccine rebrand, even if this isn't the left's plan. Who's owning who? So I think this yeah. is trying to use the the verbiage of ownage, right? Yeah. To to get to speak to the conservatives, be like, no, we're getting owned. Kind of so now you own them. Piece of writing. Yeah, like, this is a fascinating piece of writing. Like I feel like you need to dissect it in so many different ways. Yeah, 
But yeah, the rebranding it, calling it the Trump vaccine, saying like, look, like people who vote like us are dying. So you should get the vaccine. That's kind of smart. You have no idea. I just want these people to get vaccinated. So whatever it takes, honestly. Yeah. I'm like, hey, that's what a lot of people are joking about. It's like, like, yo, fine. If (laughs) If it like... Well, should we just on this podcast admit to this having been our strategy all along as we were trying to antagonize them into not getting the vaccine so that we so we can blow up on InfoWars? Yeah. So first of all, okay, (laughs) so here we go. InfoWars. Here's a clean edit point. And (laughs) we were, in fact, uh, hoping that you wouldn't get vaccinated. Uh, Now that our playbook has been exposed, though, I guess you should read this Breitbart article and who's owning who. I mean, you have to ask yourself that question. Just go get fucking vaccinated. (laughs) Thanks. Who's well done. But I think I'm clearly like they the, the tone seems to suggest that at the upper echelons of the sort of conservative media apparatus that this is a problem that yeah. they that <laughs> that they know <laughs> and they're like fuck dude like, oh no I mean, like they believe wow. everything and now we're trying to convince them to not like to avoid preventable death because they've took it as a culture war battle it's yeah it's, it's truly mind-boggling how like Tucker Carlson like gets through a night and like sleeps because it's yeah th- these things are just so plainly evident that he's killing people uh he's killing his own viewers i don't know that's it's pretty wild yeah i mean what's funny is like the day before he <laughs> wrote some like article that said anti-vaxxers hype but not anti anti-vaxxers hype benign transmission numbers as proof vax doesn't work okay so the day before you spent your time just throwing more garbage out there into the world. Then the next day you're like, well, who's owning who? You're like, I think you are, sir, for clicks. <laughs> you're owning them for clicks. Just the casual reference to Fauci being a scumbag. Is like, it's just, okay, I guess. Yeah, I mean, if that's... If that's what, what, what did he do? What, because right. by the end of it, you're like, we need to get vaccinated. So then you were wrong hmm. about him? Yeah, but he was such a scumbag about it. He was. He didn't want us to. You could tell. When he was at, he was begging us, this hugely earnest human being who's never said anything, like that doesn't appear to be capable of insincerity. Uh, he, you could tell he was being insincere when he told us we should get the vaccine. Yeah, exactly. And it's that you know, it's once again just America bending over backwards to have the lowest standards possible for conservative people. That like somehow we have to make it not their fault. So yeah, there we well, go. There are the, the the children we have to bring with us, drag them along forward mm. into the future. Yes. Mm. Well, oh, what other wait? Hold on. What other reverse psychology schemes can we get them to do? Oh shit, that's a great point. Interesting. You know, you yeah, you know what's really cool are fucking closed borders where no one can get get in or out. You hear that? Keep everybody yeah. where they are. And then you're like, no, nah, man, we need our freedom of movement, man, because we need that kind of agency as human beings. And we have to extend that to others across the globe. You're like, whoa, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> it was that easy. Uh, well, Ariel, it's been such a pleasure having you on the Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, where can people find you and follow you? Uh, so they can find me on Twitter, I guess, sometimes uh, at ADRS. Uh, I probably post more on Instagram at ADRS and listen to the podcast. Listen to Vice News Reports. Uh, I also yeah, have yeah. a new podcast coming out, you know, end of October, beginning of November. Can't talk about it just yet, but, you know, keep an eye out for that. Okay. Nice. Do you, can, what is it? Is it, a, can you give us a genre, anything? Yeah, it'll be like long form narrative, science human drama. Cool. Okay. Very I cool. like that. Yeah, uh, and fun. is there is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? So the tweet that I picked out is one by Paul Ford. I just really appreciated this this idea. So he tweeted, my favorite part in learning anything new is learning the reasons why everyone in the discipline hates each other. <laughs> <laughs> and that just feels so right. Like coming back to the whole cycling thing, you know, electric 
cyclists versus lycra wearing cyclists <laughs> right. versus you know city bikers versus delivery people like that those like turf wars are just so intense and i was right. kind of unaware of any of it and i'm i'm learning a lot right now yeah oh yeah it's it's hard out there when people talking shit when i'm on my e-bike well it's only happened twice but <laughs> it's like people be like nice bike like one guy said oh, that to really? me, was like on a mountain bike. Wow. I was like, dude, fuck you. Oh like, my God. <laughs> you're so fucking yeah. bitter. Like also, bro, I can't hear you because my drum and bass is too loud. <laughs> but it's so true though. The minute you learn about you you enter a new world, you're yeah. like, oh, like these people hate each other and they they love the same things, but they hate each other. Right, right, it's right. Exactly. Yeah. That's any whenever people congregate around a thing there, we always split off in our little groups. Yep. Uh, Miles, where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, at Miles of Gray, G-R-A-Y. Uh, and the other show, 420 Day Fiance with Sophia Alexandra, where we talk about 90 Day Fiance. You know, the real where the real shit's going down sometimes <laughs> to give us a much needed break from the world. A tweet that I like. I like a couple. First one is from Brody Gupta, at Brody Gupta. You know, when Michaela Cole uh, got her Emmy the other night, she was saying, like, writers write what scares you was like her, like one of like the poignant lines from her acceptance speech, among many other things. But so Brody Gupta quote tweeted that of the writers write what scares you. And Brody tweeted, opening a document to simply write the words raccoon hands. <laughs> Very specific. But I might be a little not what that was being meant, but I love it because I agree. That's, That's I always so want to look at them and be like, what we got fingernails? What are those claws? Mm -hmm. Um mm -hmm. and another one is from Laura Peak at Laura Peak underscore uh, tweeted, I'm extremely conflict avoidant, which is fine. Totally don't even worry about it. I'm good either way. <laughs> <laughs> that is so close to my heart. A uh, tweet I've been enjoying was from Golden Phantom, tweeted the trolley opportunity in reference to the trolley problem thought experiment, <laughs> which I think is basically sums up capitalism uh, and mm. how how businesses work. Yeah. Oh, like, damn. Right, I, like I like that. I like that, Jack. Here. <laughs> I mean, I hate it, but I like it. <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. You can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes, footnotes, where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song are we telling people to go check out? You know, I mentioned it already when I was talking about blasting some drum and bass when I'm on my bike. So, you know what? Y'all, put some D&B in your ears. Uh, and Dave Matthews? No, D-N-N. Oh. Uh, not M. Uh, Dave D-N-B into your ears, and let's go, let's go out on Boom by Andy C. You know what I mean? I'm just Pedaling. I all I do is listen to drum and bass in my bike. So I want y'all to get, get feel that wind in your face and just check this one out by Andy C. Uh, boom, you're gonna love it. Uh, or nice. you know, fire it up in your and your exercise bike. However you like to get down in whatever pedal fashion you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keep one ear open though, or or use those weird jawbone. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't put it. No, don't. Don't ever fucking put both uh, earphones in. Please, please, please. Yeah, don't. yeah. All right. Well, the Daily Zeitgeist is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning. But we're back this afternoon to tell you what is trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye, 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 guys. <laughs> 